0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and every week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Michael Karuchik, bring you everything that you need to know about health care so that you can advocate for yourself, for your family, with regard to your health care and your health care freedom. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is the sponsor of the docs, the Doctor's Lounge, and we uh, are a 501c3 organization. We are the uh, only physician-led, physician-run healthcare care think tank in the country. Um, so please go to our website, www.docsforpatientcarefoundation, or D number four pcfoundation.org and please contribute generously so that we can continue to bring you this show and do all the work that we do around the country again fighting for your healthcare freedom we're going to get right into our show today it's been uh a a little bit of time since i've been behind the microphone Uh, i've been away for just a little bit but glad to be back um We've got lots and lots to talk about. It doesn't seem like healthcare is in the news much these days because there's so many other distractions right now, but um, rest assured that that uh, behind the scenes there's a lot going on in healthcare, which we'll uh, get into with our guest today. Um, my, It's my honor, my privilege to once again uh, welcome our good friend, my good friend, good friend of this show and the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, one of our advisory board members, uh, Sally Pipes, the uh, president and CEO of the Pacific Research Institute, into the doctor's lounge. Good morning, Sally.
1: Good morning, Hal, and I'm I'm delighted to be Um, on the show
0: with you again with you and your great organization well we kudos to you getting up early sally is uh we're doing this show live sally is on the on the west coast we do the show on the east coast at eight o'clock in the morning so sally um sweep the cobwebs out of your out of your head and let's (laughs) let's talk about some uh substantial issues shall we
1: Definitely, a lot. There are a lot.
0: Well, you know, even though health care did not get done in the Senate, um, it's it's got to get done. It's uh, the death spiral is already occurring.
1: Well, absolutely, and you know, um, uh, candidate Trump at the time and all members uh, on the Republican side of the House and the Senate, as you know, how had been had promised the American people they would repeal and replace disastrous Obamacare. And it, b- before Trump was even talking about running for president, seven years and five months, the Republicans have been talking about repealing and replacing Obamacare. So it has to be done, and I think the political consequences of them not getting something done are worse than you know than you know just the worst thing that can happen politically for the Republican Party.
0: So, so President Trump is saying that the uh, that he will not take. The heat for healthcare failing—that let it fail, let it let it go down in flames, and let's blame it on the Democrats. I don't think that's very likely. Do you?
1: Um, no, and I think also, I mean, I think it—you it, know—for him to be, you know, criticizing in public, um, Senator uh, Senate uh, Majority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell—that that is not—I don't think that's—you know—it's just not very professional from my point of view.
0: Well, um, well, it's it's, so, it's certainly it's certainly. I don't think that that's how he got business deals done when he was uh, developing buildings and putting up uh, you know me- mega golf courses. I don't think he was using the media to shame people into a deal.
1: Right, and the and his book, The Art of the Deal. I'm sure you know it didn't you know have a chapter on why it's why it's a good idea to shame and run down. Um, the people you're going to be you know relying on to you know do your deals
0: yet yet I think that we can all share his frustration why oh, um, absolutely w- one vote we we couldn't get one more vote in the senate to move forward with uh, with health care reform uh,
1: and uh, no I mean they you know they had voterama I mean McCain, you know in spite of you know his um, diagnosis with a brain tumor which is a very serious type of you know went to washington and you know they got 50 50 for um the petition to for a motion to move forward on the debate and so that was you know on july 25th and we thought you know we all thought you know something something good was going to happen even if the skinny bill passed and it wasn't ideal it would they'd go back to committee and work with the house and come up with you know a bill that how you and i would really like that would be one that would empower doctors and patients and, you know, get the federal government out of our health care.
0: So right now we're stuck. We have rising premiums. We have insurers leaving markets. We are seeing that here in Georgia. Blue Cross Blue Shield pulled out of the exchange in Georgia, leaving just a Medicaid um, uh, product and uh, Kaiser, um, and which is limited. So, so really there are... Um, tens of thousands of people in Georgia who are going to be stuck without any option. Um, this is happening all over the country. I think that there are now uh, a couple of insur- new insurers have entered some, uh, some markets where there were no insurers, leaving just two counties in the country um, completely bare. So um, now, now we're seeing a cry around the country, around your state in California, towards single-payer and resurrecting uh, those those uh, demons again.
1: Well, you're absolutely right, Hal. I mean, I thought, and I, I don't know whether, I never actually asked you, but I thought back in, um, in, in 2008, 2009, 2010, when um, Obama... Uh, had become president and was talking about, you know, he was going to get health care done. In fact, he did, without a single Republican vote. I always thought that his main goal was single payer, which is Medicare for all, or a Canadian-style system where the government is the only payer for health care. I always thought that was his idea. And that with the ACA, he, he would be able to say, well, you know, we tried, you know, the exchanges, we tried the private market, it didn't work, and therefore... We need a single payer system. I think I always thought that was his uh, goal. And now with all of what's going on in Washington and the fact that, you know, the Republicans weren't able to get a deal, single payer is in the news, Hal, every single day. And California was really, you know, leading the the path um, with the um, introduction last February by two Democratic senators, uh, Ricardo Lara and tony atkins to introduce in the california senate the healthy california act which is a single-payer bill that is even worse than the canadian system because it includes no one needs a referral to see a specialist Um, the fact they would include um, uh, dental care pharmaceutical care at a whopping cost of four hundred billion dollars a year more than double the entire budget of the state of california so And it did pass the California Senate. People say, well, it's done because um, Speaker Anthony Rendon, um, you know, decided not to move ahead with the Assembly for the votes. But, in fact, people don't realize that in California we have a two-year legislative um, cycle. And so now the pressure from the nurses is for Rendon (coughs) to bring it back to the Assembly uh, this fall or early next year. So it's not dead, and we're seeing it, you know, at the federal level with, with Bernie Sanders, we're seeing it in Michigan with Conyers. We're seeing it in Washington State, Cali- um, Colorado. Their um, single payer initiative, Amendment 69, went down last November 8. But it's but it's really everywhere, and it's very concerning for for me as a Canadian who grew up under the system. But the fact that doctors seem to be supporting, based on the latest polls, the whole the Merritt Hawkins poll seem to be, you know, have really reversed their views and supporting single-payer, I don't think most of them have any idea what it means for them as
0: doctors. Okay, so let's let's try to take this apart and take this one step at a time. That was a, a, a good overview of what's happening and, and what the landscape is regarding single-payer. So, um, why do you think that um, this is gaining momentum?
1: Well, I think... Um, I think it's gaining momentum because, you know, the Republicans have the presidency, they have the House, they have the Senate, they have many of the governorships around the country. But, you know, with all of the toing and froing um, about about the Republicans not getting a deal, the fact that, you know, as you said, premiums are going up and premiums, deductibles going up, insurers getting out, this is not because of President Trump. As you know how this has been going on, starting in 2015, 2016, bef- way before um, uh, Trump was even elected or became president. This is because insurers were losing a lot of money because of the uh, the fact that young people didn't sign up. And so, you know, there's been a lot of frustration and people think, well, you know, we, we don't like Obamacare, um, these problems, we could have lower premiums, lower deductibles, and all kinds of coverage without having to, you know, do any paperwork. Um, and doctors are thinking it's simple. Um, docs have been moving, as you know, away from their private practice, going into um, hospital. You know, being bought up by hospitals. And so there's, you know, this 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 thought that oh, well, just having one payer will be so simple. Well, we have a big example of single payer in this country. It's the VA, and how is that working for doctors and hospital?
0: Not very well, is it?
1: No, I mean it's it's not. And you know, they've just you know reauthorized on a temporary basis the. The Veterans Choice bill, but vets were supposed to only have to wait 30 days in order to see um, a doctor in private, you know, private practice. If they couldn't, if they were on a waiting list for 30 days or more um, on the VA system. In fact, do, uh, patients, vets are waiting on average 45 days, and it's been even with this, it's not. Um, it's it's not it's not working for our vets who you know have given up so much for our country yeah let me and let, this is what it means
0: well, you know let me let me give you some inside baseball as far as a veterans choice. Um, I have a um, a resident um, who uh, is is on my um, service at the hospital right now who has uh, recently been at the veterans. Uh, hospital on a rotation and she and a few other residents tried to call in as secret shoppers into the Veterans Choice program to try to get into it. They couldn't get through. They couldn't even get through to um, try to get an appointment. So so this, this is all smoke and mirrors. It sounds great. It sounds like this is a great first step, but this is exactly like the you know the Medicare or Medicaid what good is a system? You have a card, but if you can 't get into it, what good is it and that 's the problem and that
1: that is yep
0: and you know and and uh, you know i have I have a you know my my own perspective on why this is gaining steam first of all. Um, I, I criticized the survey, the Merritt Hawkins survey. Um, they only had a thousand respondents, and I think that the people who responded are the it's a it's a biased, skewed study. You know, it's the ones who are either the most fed up or the ones who are working for hospitals already and who really have no um, clue what's going on. You know, the ones the people who are working or who are who are actually um seeing patients and busy like myself we don't have time for these stupid surveys so so i, I really think that this is this is a biased um uh analysis but the, you know never never leave a sensational story alone if you have a chance to capitalize it it's the it, that's the corollary to never let a you know a crisis you know uh go go uh you know, un, un, unchecked. But the thing that you know, I I really see, it, which is that the younger doctors, and we're gonna, I'm gonna finish what I'm saying, then we're gonna come to a break, and we'll pick this up. But the younger doctors are being brainwashed in medical school and in residency, and they're they believe that it's better to have a single payer, the government taking care of patients, than than um, than people having free choice, and they, they view the United States as the only backward country in the world instead of the leader in healthcare in the world, and that's the big problem. So, Sally, I'm going to get you to um, comment on that when we get back into the next segment in the Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back in the doctor's lounge with my special guest today, Sally Pipes, the president and CEO of the Pacific Research Institute. We're talking, of course, about health care and single payer and what we're facing right now around the country with progressives who are trying to, uh, to get this message across. Sally, why, why does the left win the messaging battle in, in all social areas in this country?
1: Well, Hal, I think it's because their message sounds so simple. You know, I mean, as, as you know and I know, talking about health care is, is very complicated, and people sort of glaze over. They just, they just hope they're healthy and don't have to use the system. But the left is able to say, you know, you could have free health care, you wouldn't have to deal with insurance companies. <laughs> it would be so simple that, that you know, it, it sounds like a great idea. And as my mentor, the late Milton Friedman, used to say, once you give people an entitlement program, whether they like it or they don't, it's very difficult to take it away. And so moving to something that sounds, you know, so wonderful and that everyone would get care and everyone would get all the care they want, doesn't that sound like a great a great message? I mean, it's it's. I think that for the, your organization, the Docs for Patient Care, you have a tremendous job ahead of you and a tremendous opportunity to educate doctors and doctors educating their patients about why, when the government runs the whole health care system, such as in the VA or even, you know, the people on the expanded Medicaid um, program in the U.S. under Obamacare, so many of these people that are on now on Medicaid, yes, they have, as you said, they have a... a they have Medicaid, but they don't have access to a doctor because docs are not taking all of these new Medicaid patients because their reimbursement rates, you know, are so low. And so you have this tremendous opportunity and responsibility to, with your organization, to educate doctors and patients on why this is, is a terrible idea for, for doctors and for, for America and for our health care. You know, Canada, where I'm from, has a population of 38 million people. They've had single-payer, no private health care since 1974. 63,000 Canadians come every year to the U.S. or go abroad for health care because they're on a waiting list that they feel it is too long for them uh, to wait in in terms of, you know, their health outcomes. You know, an MRI in Canada, the average wait is 11.1 weeks. That's three months. People here would go crazy when they think they need a medication an mri or a ct scan hell you know they want it tomorrow
0: yeah you know you mentioned earlier about the um the obama plan which was really to move to a single payer which which i think that most people who are paying attention to health care believe to be the case it's the it's been the incremental um, move to the left in health care that started in the 1940s and um you know, you're talking about doctors not taking Medicaid or not taking a single payer. You know, if it, it, it's this is the 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 battle really because the left is hoping that that we get to the point where doctors are employed by hospitals, and we're seeing already that um, more doctors are employed by hospitals than are in private practice, and we're moving. In that direction, and we're educating the students and the residents to to um, believe that the, it's better to go ahead and have the government provide care, just like the rest of the world. Um, that's that to me is is really the the battle right there. It's an education battle, isn't it? Oh,
1: it definitely is, and that's why you know how. I'm chairman of the Board of Benjamin Rush Institute you're you're involved that's Beth, Beth um, Haynes who is the um, who's really you know been running the Benjamin Rush Institute you know for several years this is why these debates at medical schools are so very important in having speakers like you tell the kids who are in medical school that there is you know that what they're learning in school is not the only solution and that in fact you know it It it, it will be to the detriment of most of these young uh, medical students to their ability to practice the type of medicine that they have been trained for. You know, know, but I
0: I I think Sally, that's 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 important behind the scenes. But I really think that there needs to be a greater effort on the on our side to educate the public. Not just the medical students and not just the residents, but educate the public. These kinds of debates or these this kind of forum needs to the the there needs to be an effort on the part of the media to want to and, and not and it's well I'm 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 contradicting myself because most of the media wants to see a single payer, but but right. but the but. Outlets which want to um, really highlight the dangers of moving in that direction need to highlight this issue and um, help to educate the public in the dangers of you know uh, what what lies ahead if we go down this road. And that's well
1: exactly. I mean, and that's why you know you write, I write, I do a lot of you know op eds, I do a lot of uh, talk radio, TV, and I like to get into the into the belly of the beast and on the other side because those are the people that we have to educate and their listeners or their readers have to know, you know, this is these are the people that vote. And, you know, in Canada today where I'm from, the average weight from seeing a primary care doctor to treatment by a specialist is now over five months, double what it was in nineteen ninety three. And when people say people say, well, you know, we'll still have a choice to to get private insurance in a real single payer system, which Bernie Sanders is talking about, which um, the people here in California um, and the, the Democrats, Laura and Atkins, a true single payer, the single payer is the government. There is no private insurance. There is no um, alternative. And doctors really become employees of the state government or the federal government because the federal government will send the taxes to the states. Like in Canada, the federal government sends the money to the provinces. Doctors are basically union members working for the government. Their salaries, what they earn, is all tied to how much the province or the state can afford to spend on health care. And so you get a country like Canada, you'll hear so much in the left-wing media. Canada only spends 11% of gross domestic product on healthcare. Well, yes, and we spend 18% of our GDP, the highest in the world, but at 11%, that's why you get long waiting lists and ration care because that's the only way you can keep the, the cost of health care down to 11% is by denying and rationing care.
0: P.J. O'Rourke, O'Rourke said, if you think that health care is expensive now, wait until it's free.
1: Absolutely, and we, it, there's no question that we will, We will. patients will have the same... Problems. They won't have the latest, you know, the number of MRI machines per capita in Canada. CT scans, positron emission tomography scans. All of these things are, you know, not the latest that that that, that is out there because government can't afford it, and and the um, and the waits the waits are so long. And so, is that what we want? Absolutely not. The American people need to know, and that's why, as I say, it's up to people like you, Hal, and all of your group at. at docs for patient care you've got to write for the mainstream media because the washington post um all of these newspapers fortune bloomberg they're all out there you know commenting and writing on why this is a good idea and we have to educate people so that they can make good decisions when they go to the the voting booth that this is not in the best interest of their
0: health so this idea failed miserably in colorado by a by a four to one uh, uh, margin, 80, 80 to twenty, um, right. and um, in Vermont, it it uh, it did not, it, which is Bernie Sanders' state, which I find really ironic
3: <laughs> that yes.
0: that here they they the governor there pulled the plug on that program because it would bankrupt the state, and yet Bernie Sanders is doubling down and wants this nationally. So so. Um, this is when when the the rubber meets the road and people actually are are confronted with what this really will mean to their to to the economy, to to their individual health care. Um, this has not gained a lot of traction. what what are you are you concerned that California is different?
1: Well, California, I don't know how. I think it's about ready to roll into the Pacific Ocean I mean, we hope. continue to <laughs> because because it's you know it's a, as you know it's a beautiful place place to live and a, as, an, as a great attraction for people who you know want to live on on entitlements but I think um, you know in California I mean California's the most democratic state in the nation um, we used to say as goes California so goes the nation from a good point of view now I say as goes California, so goes the nation if we get single payer um, it's going to be a catastrophe you know for doctors are either as they have already under Obamacare retire early or they could the best doctors will move out of the state of California and into Nevada, Arizona and all kinds of other states and the the best graduating doc medical students and residents are not going to come to you know University of California San Francisco, UCLA to to, to practice, to practice medicine because they wouldn't, they won't be able to, to um, practice the kind that they that they would want because of controls, you know, on, on cost. And we've seen, you know, uh, California is just, I mean, the Republicans don't, I mean, the Democrats have a super majority in the Senate and the Assembly. So would, um, Governor Brown vote if this, um, Healthy California Act goes through, comes up in the Senate, in the Assembly? Later this year or early next year, and passes, would he sign the bill? I think that he wouldn't because he knows four hundred billion dollars over double the budget of the state of California. Where is that money going to come from? It has to come from increased income taxes and a fifteen percent payroll tax. And this is when the where the rubber meets the road when the people understand, the electorate understands what it means to their what it's going to mean to their tax bill.
0: You know, it's it's really um, a, a, a you know the states need to be laboratories for change in the country, and um, and in in some ways, I, w- I wish it was in California because it w- it's it's such a huge economy, and yet I would love to see a state embrace single payer and and just show how miserable. The people there are, and how, and what an utter failure it will be. But, but um, you know, to have it happen in California is almost uh, catastrophic. And uh, well, and then well we're coming is, to a hard break, So get this last thought in, and then we'll come to the break.
1: No, because it is. A, but it's it's a lab. It's a, a huge state, and we have to hope. I'd rather it happen and fail in a smaller state because you know these things are, as I said, they're just very difficult to turn even when they're not working.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're going to get more into the single-payer and some other health care topics when we get back in the next segment in the Doctors' Lounge. So please stay with us.
2: This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of
3: Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Thank you.
0: Thanks for staying with us in the doctor's lounge. My guest today is Sally Pipes, and we're talking health care. Sally, um, We'll finish up on, on single payer. I mean, we can talk on and on about it and you know, and get into a, uh, a continuous circular argument because you and I know how bad this is and you've lived it and, and experienced it. But I've, I've, um, just today, um, the state of Oregon has uh, uh, decided to um, change their requirements for free um, education. You know this was the 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 another one of Bernie Sanders uh big um, campaigning points that f- uh, higher education would be free for everybody and Oregon embraced it and now they're realizing that there is no such thing as free. Somebody's paying for it. And um, and so now there's there's uh, changes and, and people are going to have to start paying. Isn't that exactly what single-payer health care is all about?
1: Well, absolutely, Hal. I mean, Oregon is, you know, if, if we think California is green, um, Oregon is, is green in terms of it gets a lot of rain and a lot of forest. But, it's it, you know, a lot of The bad things that have gone on in healthcare and bills that have come before their legislature have all been um, very, very liberal. So when a state like Oregon, you know, finds that these programs that they've always embraced are not working, I think it's a wonderful, um, um, it's a wonderful thing. It's a learning
0: opportunity.
1: Learning opportunity, exactly. And so, you know, there's just no way that all of these things that people want for free are free because people have to pay for them. And and um, you know, we certainly saw. You know, Governor Shumlin, the former governor of Vermont, um, as you said, Bernie State. I mean, when he figured out what the payroll tax increase would be, what it would mean to business in the state of Vermont, he had to pull pull that. And in Colorado, Amendment sixty nine. You know, the Democratic Governor John Hickenlooper, he came out against Amendment sixty nine because he knew what it was going to do. It was going to double the budget of the state of Colorado. People came to their senses when they when they understand. That's why your job is so very important.
0: Well, all of our jobs are very important to to really get out the word, but you know it's I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of listening to their their lies to support, their desire to get to a single payer, the the mantra that we're the most you know the only democracy in the world that doesn't have single payer, where the um, where our healthcare is ranks you know in in the at the at the bottom of the f- of the first uh, you know quartile ne- um, internationally in healthcare. You know these are such tired and 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 uh, and. Over overused lies that that somebody really needs to um, be in a position to call them out and make them defend them when they get up there and say them.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the idea about life expectancy and in, in, in the United States about infant uh, mortality—all of these things can be disproved from what what you hear um, from you know the Commonwealth Fund and these various various groups because they they are lies and you have to when you're doing this kind of research how as you know you have to compare apples to apples not apples to oranges and you know people come from all over the world as i mentioned earlier from canada from all over the world because we do have the very finest health care in the world w- the research development all of the innovation takes place in this country not in france or germany or canada and so we have to keep this this um, this open uh, because we are the um, incubator for the best in health and we have to refute uh, the lies about you know we're, we're so low in infant mortality where we have very low life expectancy as you know um, Lancet oncology has shown over and over again that cancer survival rates five years out are the highest in the United States not in you know Tanzania or not in Morocco we're not, not, in, not England. in England England. It, right, exactly. And England is suffering huge uh, weights and problems with their, with their National Health Service. And so, fortunately, in the U.K., when they designed their legislation, they allowed private health care to run parallel to the NHS. So more and more people in the U.K. now have private coverage, whether it's British United Providence or whatever, because they're just are so fed up with not being able to get a doctor, not being able to get into a specialist in a reasonable amount of time family members, you know, on gurneys, you know, in hospitals not being able to get treated. This is what happens when, you know, government is is the payer.
0: And I have friends in England, so I can share with, your, with the audience what happens. Somebody in England, um, the younger doctors are compelled to participate in the National Health Service, and so they see somebody in the uh, clinic at the National Health Service and they, uh, um, they, they conclude that a patient needs an operation and they're put on a wait list and they're told that they are going to be able to, they'll get called in about six months for their surgery. And it doesn't necessarily even need to be elective surgery. It can be somewhat, um, not, not emergency, but urgent surgery. It's still a very long wait. But, they're, but then in the next breath, they'll be told, well, you know, this afternoon I'll be in my private office and you can come down the street and we can probably get you in this week. And that's what happens.
1: Exactly. But in a country like Canada, when they designed the Canada Health Act, they went to the U.K. and said, what was the biggest mistake you made with the National Health Service? And they said, allowing private health care to run parallel. And so Canada doesn't allow any any private health care. And a few of my friends you know, set up these private clinics, like Dr. Um, Brian Day set up the Canby Clinic in Vancouver. It is wildly successful. It's illegal under the Canada Health Act, and he's just facing a huge second or third suit by the B.C. government trying to shut him down, and yet, you know, it is so successful because people can get an MRI in the next, within the week, not having to wait, you know, three months. But the government... You know, when government gets total control, they don't want any competition because they don't want people to be able to to compare. But the American people today, they know that they really do have access to the best health care. And it's not that there's no government in our health care, Hal. As you know, 50% is in government hands through Medicare for the elderly, Medicaid, which is expanded for low income, the CHIP program for children, and the Veterans Administration. So, and those programs are ones that aren't working so well. So, you know, this is why we have to, you know, it doesn't matter what the program is, government cannot be the, the provider of health care for all Americans, i.e. single payer, because people will will be very upset when they find out it's rationed, care is rationed, they have to wait, they don't have access to the latest drugs and treatments because they're not going to be available.
0: That's a great segue because I wanted to talk about what you've just uh, recently wrote about um, Medicare and their troubles. So you've uh, you've uh, penned a, a piece about um, how to fix Medicare, how to how to throw it a life preserver. So what's what's wrong with Medicare?
1: Well, you know the Medicare trustees, you know, have pointed out that once again, Medicare, I think people don't understand that, and it took me a while to figure this out when I came to the U.S., Medicare is four different programs, Medicare Part A, the hospitals, Medicare Part B, the doctor's portion, Medicare Part C, which is Medicare Advantage, and Medicare Part D, which is the drug part of the program. These programs, just like I said, it doesn't matter when government has to pay, pay the bills, they find out when it's costing too much, they have to limit, you know, what they're, they're paying out. And so, you know they're spending way too much money medicare you know um parts um a and b you know you know in the not too distant future by 2030 are going to be you know probably bankrupt these programs are going to be costing close to a trillion dollars a year up from the about over 500 billion today and it just it's the result is that one in three new medicare eligible patients is um now you know not able to find you know, a primary care doctor. That's that's another way of, of rationing uh care. And the Medicare and Medicaid both came into being in nineteen sixty five. They're fifty two years old now under Lyndon Johnson. Um the 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 issue is as I say they're they're um they're expensive, they're denying care, but Medicare came into into effect for people when they reached age sixty five. And back then, uh fifty two years ago 65 was the average life expectancy. Today, in spite of what you read, you know, in the in the in the mainstream media, Americans Americans live on average to 79.5. If they join Medicare in 19 at age 65, how that's the number of years that they're alive and on on the program, using a lot of money and a lot of people today. You know, don't want to retire at 65. I mean, you could only play so much golf or tennis. You know. Um, every day and so people people want to work people want to have um, access to good health care under under the current law you know people who are still employed should be able to you know they can keep their health care as long as they don't take the social security but they should be able to use their health savings accounts why should someone you know at 65 or over not be able to contribute to an HSA um, because, so that they can spend their own dollars, on health care, the, the issue is we should really be raising the age of eligibility from 65, you know, slowly up. And, but for those people who are retired and who really need it, that's what, Medicare should be there for those people, but not for people who are healthy and able able to work. So we need to raise the eligibility age. We need to means test it. Why should people, you know, like the Warren Buffets of the world and the Charles Mungers of, of Berkshire Hathaway, who are now saying... They think they'd like to see a single payer health care system. There's no way in, in in the world that these people, these very very wealthy people, are going to use um, you know a government run single payer healthcare system. And why should they be talking about uh, Medicare for all single payer when when they would never accept that kind of those kinds of weights themselves? So we need to open it up. We means test, raise the eligibility age, allow um, things like health savings accounts to be there for people who are over 65. And on the other side, now Bernie Sanders is saying, well, it might be very difficult to go immediately to single payer. So what we need to do is sort of lower the age of people to be eligible for Medicare and to offer, you know, a public option, i.e. a government plan in the exchanges, which of course didn't ever make it into the final Affordable Care Act, but there it is again um, out there. Saying government a government health care plan should be competing with private insurers, so we need to completely redo Medicare because that program that is fifty two years old is not working um, today, and it's very very expensive. And, and as I say, it's becoming more and more difficult because doctors are in an increasing numbers are not taking Medicare patients because the reimbursement rates, you know, are much lower than they get for. Um, treating people with private insurance. Then you have some of these people, like the the, um, the congressman from Hawaii, who's talking about Medicaid for all. That's even worse than Medicare because the doctors are reimbursed about you know 38 to 42 percent below what they get for treating private patients. For Medicaid patients, Medicaid patients are having to use emergency rooms, which is what President Obama wanted to get away from. It's very expensive care because they can't get doctors. So. We need to really think about opening this Medicare up to competition, voucherizing it, giving people a voucher so that they can use their voucher to go to the doctor or hospital of
0: their choice. You know, my head is spinning just listening to you <laughs> talk about all this, and and I know exactly what you're saying, and I'm just thinking about what the average person who's not medically um, oriented is, is is thinking about this, and you know, no, it, it's no wonder why the the uh, the left can get away with what they're trying to to uh to perpetrate on on our country because this is so complicated and it really it really um i think un- it it just uh, speaks to why the government shouldn't be involved in health care and why health care needs to be an individual matter it shouldn't be very complicated and um you know, at the, at the end of the day, and this we're gonna we're I'm gonna finish this and just get, we're gonna break into and go to a final segment. At the end of the day, healthcare is a very personal um, matter between a patient and the doctor, and there shouldn't be an insurance company, there shouldn't be a do- a, a government, there shouldn't be any special interest between the patient and the doctor, and we shouldn't be looking at all of these Rube Goldberg ways to try to figure out how to make it work because it really isn't that complicated. So stay with us and we'll finish up in the last segment in the Doctor's Lounge.
1: This is Lawyer Liz. Join
2: me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays
3: at 2.
0: Thank you. You're back in the Doctor's Lounge. Um, I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. We are in our last segment with our guest, Sally Pipes. Um, I wanted to uh, just have people come to the Docs for Patient Care website, especially... um, uh, the the primary care doctors. We're putting on a uh, our second annual direct primary care symposium. Our uh, nuts and bolts 2.0. Um, this is volume two or or. Um, round two of this. We Last year we had a, a superb meeting, um, which was really the the preeminent meeting of, of this subject in the country. And they, through a uh, generous grant from the Physicians Foundation, we're, um, we're reprising the uh, meeting and we'll be having this in Orlando uh, October 13th and 14th. So um, for those of you who are primary care physicians or um, and we've opened it up to non physicians as well um, you can uh, get the information on our website d4 number 4 d4pcfoundation.org and it, you'll learn about an alternative to what we've spent three segments talking about which is government run health care, um, direct primary care Is, in my opinion, the answer to Medicare and the way to rescue it, Sally Pipes.
1: Well, excellent, Hal. I mean, these are the things, I mean, having educational um, opportunities for doctors, giving the alternative view, such as direct primary care, the conference you did on certificates of need for hospitals, these are all really, you know, important issues that, you know, docs don't hear the real story. And so it's so so very important. And I think the, the next thing that you need to focus on and w- where you, you need to get a lot of support is for, you know, educating docs on why single-payer Medicare for all is going to be a disaster for them, and they have no idea what it's going to mean for what they're paid, how they practice medicine. Um, you mentioned this will be your 2.0. I mean, my, my worry is that, you know, if we don't get something done to repeal and replace Obamacare, you know some of the plans that are out there right now that are going to come up for discussion after Labor Day are really Obamacare repairs, Obamacare fixes, Obamacare 2.0, your Obamacare, your um,
0: DPC, your, um,
1: doctor patient care 2.0 programs you know, are positive. Obamacare 2.0 is very, very negative.
0: Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. But, you know, we earlier we were uh, – we just briefly mentioned about the insurers leaving the marketplaces. And in Georgia, we're, we're – um, uh, the, the state is looking at as many as 100,000 people without insurance, and, and they're scrambling. They have no place to go. And so, you know, we, this is – Right now, I'm involved in in uh, an initiative to uh, to try to change health care here in Georgia, which we'd like to see happen around the country, where um, people will be able to get direct primary care doctors and and tie it to a specialty network. We call it Direct Care Plus, and um, and this this uh, we're hearing people contacting us saying we have. You know, thank God that you 're there because we really have no options, and we have doctors telling us you know what the hospitals are telling us that they want us to see twenty four patients in in a uh, in a day this are primary care doctors they they want us to see twenty four patients. Uh, t- uh, up to up to thirty patients in a day and, th- and a primary care doctor can 't see that many patients in a day and they're they're putting the screws to them and saying no you 've got to see more and more people because we are not making enough money on you and we need you to um, uh, work harder and that 's the only way churn patients. that's exactly right that 's the only way that they can they can maintain their their um, uh, their income. The 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 hospitals are are really uh, the the new power brokers of healthcare, and they are employing doctors, and they are, um, you know, they're they're making record profits. As you can see, if you go into any city in this country uh, and drive around, you you don't you don't see you know in a large city. Twenty hospitals anymore. You see, three hospitals or four hospitals. They've all consolidated, and and uh, right. And this is and this is the the, the trend that um, that happens when we're moving away from a a, a a market where there are choices.
1: Well, and you know, you you think thirty patients a day is that? Look at a country like Canada. Where you know my one of my best friends retired from medicine at 40 in in Vancouver he was seeing 55 to 60 patients a day and as he said I can't I can't do a, a good diagnosis I can't and then I can't get if somebody needs you know surgery or a specialist you know I, I, I just can't I, I just can't make it work and then people that are lonely or that are sort of mentally unstable they make appointments all the time because they're they're lonely, and so they, they take up a doctor's time. But 55 to 60 patients a day, it's just impossible. So, you know, 30 is terrible. But, it, you know, if we get single-payer, it's going to be um, even, even worse. And you're seeing all of this consolidation. My own OBGYN set, shut down his private practice and went to Sutter Health because his young docs didn't want to be, you know, having to, you know, deliver babies at 3 in the morning. They didn't want to work long days. 49% of graduating residents... Are now joining hospitals. We've got to reverse um, this tide because it's bad for patients and it's bad for for healthcare in America. And that's why um, how what you're doing is so important. We need many more of you. You know, Georgia is a great um, you know incubator, but we've got to get you know little platoons everywhere working working on this, educating people.
0: So, Sally, um, we're... Ne- we're nearing the end of the show. I would like you to um, predict what's going to happen in California with single-payer.
1: Um, well, I mean, it's it's hard to know, but, you know, it's interesting that this all came up because the nurses were behind all of this saying we have to have single-payer. I don't know what you think, How I always thought of nurses as being, you know, so interested in, in patients and doing good. How is it that the nurses have become so politicized and so radical they come to conferences and protest and all of this anthony rendon who is the assembly speaker who put part the healthy california act sb 562 in the rules committee for now he is just being pillory pillared by the by the nurses union and other unions and is having death threats even though he really supports single-payer so i don't know whether he's going to give in to you know the pressure of, of, of of the nurses and some very liberal union members and bring it to the fore. I think I think he probably, it, it may well come come up again and it come out of the rules committee. And the, the, as he said, what he saw was woefully inadequate. How were they going to pay for a $400 billion program? we giving everybody every type of care that they want. It's just not possible. But it, I would say that there's California is so liberal now, the Dems are in such control, that it probably will come back. Um, you know, t- to the Assembly Committee, um, probably um, early next year. But I do think um, Governor Brown is the governor until uh, January of 2018. twenty nine 20 the elections in 2018. I think he would not um, sign a single payer bill. He understands, you know, how costly it would be, and the state can't afford it.
0: And if it passes. What will happen? Do you believe that there will be an exodus of doctors and an influx of patients? What do you? What's your prediction?
1: Well, that's what happened in Canada when they took over the health care system the government did. They had no idea that the demand for health care was going to be so high. As I say, people that aren't even sick go to the doctor because it doesn't actually cost them anything. Well, it does. The taxpayers pay for it. But I think um, doctors will retire early in California, doctors will leave the state of California, top students will not come into practice um, in, in California, and so there will be long waiting lists will develop quickly, people will become concerned, and the government will just say, well, all we need is more money. We hear that in education, K-12, we hear it everywhere. They just need to have more money, and, you know, it's going to be very uh, catastrophic Um for, for california they're going to have to the government will have to say we can't have everyone calling up you know dr Hell sure their child has a pediatric urology problem they're going to have to cut out that they're going to have to start um thinking about you know maybe we do need to charge people something because if people pay nothing you know they're going to use a whole lot more of it and that's when uh chief madam chief justice beverly mclaughlin of the canadian supreme court said a few years ago um by having a health card, a health care card is not giving people access to health care. Mm-hmm. And so that's what will happen. We'll have the, the huge waiting list. And, you know, there there are 39 million people in the state of California more than in the whole of, of, of Canada. And so this this just is so it's just so important that, that it does not move forward. It doesn't happen in California. It doesn't happen nationally. And so that's why, Hal, I think what you're doing... It's just so very important because docs and, and, and medical students and residents think it sounds so easy. They wouldn't have to deal with third-party payers, whether it's the government or, um, or, or, or insurers. But there's a whole lot more um, to health care. We need to empower, as you say, doctors and patients and get these third-party payers out of the system.
0: Well, you know, I think that uh, I couldn't have said it any better than you did, Sally. And we're at the end of the show. I want to um, thank you. I want to have all of the people listening to this podcast um, uh, follow Sally Pipes. Go to her website, Pacific Research. Uh, I'm sorry, Pacific, Pacific um, Research, Research. Uh, Institute. Um, and uh, the website is PRI.org, dot Correct. Uh,
1: Pacific Research. Out dot O-R-G.
0: Yeah. Oh, Okay, and uh, follow her. Uh, she is a, a regular columnist on Forbes, and uh, and other uh, um, publications like Investors Business Daily and uh, many others. So, Sally, thank you for your uh, your getting up early this morning. Thank you for being here and sharing your thoughts. And I look forward to having you back in the doctor's lounge.
1: Good. Well, help. Keep up the fight. Onward. The-
0: Onward is right. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time. You're listening to America's
2: Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.